at any one point in time, there would always be a number of patients in public hospitals in Melbourne, around Australia, having complications treated from overseas surgery and serious complications, like much more serious complications than what we would see, probably because, you know, they go undetected. Like no one intervenes for you know, too long because they've come home, they're not in touch with their surgeon. Hey Refam, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast reminding you that surgery is no holiday. Today we'll be talking about travelling for surgery. Recent ARPA guidelines have drastically changed accessibility for patients who either live regionally or want to travel interstate for cosmetic surgery. Richard and Kim explain how the changes impact you and what the new policy looks like at RE. We also reveal the major red flags to look out for when it comes to cosmetic tourism overseas. The biggest takeaway, cheap can be very, very expensive. All right, welcome. So today we're talking about um, cosmetic tourism. We have, we have definitely discussed it before. Mm-hmm. The first podcast I ever did. I'll have you know. With wow. There you go. Well, compare the pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go back through. <laughs> things, like, things are my palms no are less changed. sweaty. <laughs> um, but I think a lot has changed recently in the Australian cosmetic landscape. Um, so I think it'd be good, really good to talk about it through that new lens. Um, both because like now there's been huge changes to interstate travel, yeah, as well as um, overseas. So through that kind of lens, I think. Anybody who watches YouTube, follows us on Instagram, anything is aware that APRA has changed guidelines. Mm. Um, and some of those have really impacted travelling interstate for cosmetic surgery. Do you guys want to talk about how those guidelines have impacted that specifically? Yeah. Let me try and Summarize address it. that. <laughs> uh, so the, so the, the, the big thing really is that patients now need to have two consultations uh, one can be a video, um, but they have to have a face-to-face consultation with the surgeon. So there's, and they can't book for a week after the second consultation, um, and and that makes things very difficult for interstate and rural patients because regional patients because uh, the decision-making process is is not just to see one surgeon necessarily and we encourage people to see multiple surgeons but if you have to come to a major city every time you want to think about having surgery with someone that becomes kind of impractical um so so um it really makes it very difficult for those patients uh but uh uh but yeah that that's the main thing the main thing is that the need for two consultations before you can book um, and that one needs to be a face-to-face. So previous to that, we for certain cer- certain um, uh, um, cases and conditions, we could ver- we've got a very very good setup to do video consultation. Um, by and large, for a breast reduction, a tummy tuck, a body lift, brachioplasty, uh, breast I, lift even. Yeah, I'm very comfortable doing that consultation um, via uh, a video. I don't think it has any um, uh, downside for the patient. We can go through exactly what we go through here. 
um, patients send their photos in. We can draw draw on their photos. We can put the photos up and they can see them. We can show them before and after photos. A lot of practices don't have that cap- capability, but, but we had built that in so we could do that. Um, but now we could still do that. So we could still do a consultation that way. But before they would book, they would still need to come to Melbourne and see us um, and then couldn't book for a week after that. So previously we could do that and then sort of we could meet, um, you know, face-to-face in the, the same or yeah, in the same, day. In the same trip to Melbourne, yeah. but now you can't do that. And especially if, like, they're seeing multiple to try line those yeah. up. Because even it doesn't have to be a interstate, like it can be... Oh, yeah. Well, I have a patient no, today, Mildura. three and a half yeah. hours drive for, yeah. for a follow-up and a, for all of her appointments. Yeah. Um, and so it, yeah, it, it really actually disadvantages um, rural. Everyone. Rural, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> patients, but yeah. everyone, yeah. By having those, and, and as we've said at other times, that it's it's not the quantity of consults that's important, it's the yeah. quality. So, um a standard for me for a breast augmentation first consult is ninety minutes. Like that, I just, I, I, I can do, I just can't do it in shorter than that. And so, those patients have all of that amount of time with me. Most other consults are forty five minutes to an hour. Um, and so, there's a lot of stuff that we cover. And so, it's quality of information plus we give them um, access to all the digital information that we a lot of it they've read before they even come in for that consult. And I've had many patients that have had other consults elsewhere and they're like, wow, no one's ever asked me that question before or gone through those things before. So, you you know, I could do – you do five terrible consults to not equal one really good one, I think. Quality, so, not quantity. Quality. Yeah. But the um, reason but why the, they've done it this way, APRA, is it's much easier to audit – a checkbox system than a quality system. Yeah, right. So, um, but it, it's a it's a false economy because, um, as Kim just said, I mean, you can do five shit consults and it doesn't equate to one quality consult. And you can obviously do those that from afar. It's just because they're yeah. there in person. If yeah. they're in and out in yeah. five minutes. No. And, and there are some things, like I saw, uh, had a video first consult with a patient in Darwin today and she has quite an unusual unusual condition where she's got exceptionally um, asymmetrical breasts and I gave her options of surgery and we've got the 3D camera here on site and mm. so she wasn't aware of some of the options of what she could have done and so mm. for sure um, I'm not going to book her for surgery after that video because it's like you need to come to Melbourne we need to actually go through this, show you what those options are going to be. And so I'm going to do that anyway because that's actually part of the consultation. But having that first video consult today was awesome to be able to give her so much information of what she's um, – of of options. She's like, oh, wow, you know, like I need time to process it. Absolutely, like do that. Is that a week? No, there's probably going to be more than that. So, yeah, yeah like putting these numbers and – is, is not not super helpful. Yeah, right. And and we're not saying two consultations are it's bad. bad. And we're not saying face-to-face consultations are bad. Mm. We're just saying we don't want to lose our medical registration. Uh, well, we've got no choice now, but 
we think it's terrible to be working in an environment where we feel under threat of losing our registration, where we we feel our previous practice ex- far exceeded most practices standards, um, and now we're being sort of. I mean, we're not changing our quality, obviously. Um, but we're having to add in extra things which don't necessarily contribute to a better outcome. And definitely you can have 20 consults. It doesn't improve the quality of surgery. So if you've got the wrong person doing surgery, which none of the guidelines address, um, then you're still going to have a bad outcome no matter how many face-to-face consults you have. Okay. Well, I guess while we're discussing domestic travel, well, mm. interstate stuff, um, is there restrictions on when people can kind of – fly i know we have talked about this before but is it like weeks two weeks after more again it's one of those you could actually fly on the day of surgery in theory and it's unlikely to like we don't recommend it um the reason we recommend people stay in melbourne either depending on the surgery either for one week or two weeks is more so because we want to provide that adequate aftercare Mm. so as much as we're not flying in and out of other places to do surgery mm-hmm. we so if patients are coming to us for surgery we want to be around we want to be reviewing them at one or two weeks as well to check that they're because that's a critical time for the initial parts after surgery to make sure there's no complications so it's not that flying itself is actually the bad it's the fact that they're not then yeah. close to where we are. I know, I totally agree. But it, it also depends where you're going. So mm-hmm. uh, there's absolutely no no detrimental effect to being at altitude post-surgery. Um, but it depends where, where you'd be going. So um, even at, say, three or four weeks, if you're flying to Sydney for a day, no big, no deal. big deal. If you're going to a third world country um, where we can't, sort of contact you, you can't contact us, we don't have any um, resources where you're going, you know, maybe even at five or six weeks that's not a great idea. Yeah, right. But, you know, like if at a week and everything's fine, you're flying to Sydney and if we need to send you a scoop for an antibiotic or pain relief or we can do that easily and you can go to a pharmacy and it's all the same system, that's not a big deal. So it's not only when but it's also where yeah, I think right. is critical. Good segue. Does that segue onto the reverse is true for people that are flying overseas for surgery? Yeah, so I think in terms of the changes for domestic interstate travel, that seems largely procedural uh, in terms of the impacts. But going overseas for maybe cheaper, quote-unquote, surgery, they can have a lot more dire and more impactful consequences. Did you want to kind of go through long bone but what they <laughs> what those impacts could be from going to a country that doesn't have proven standards or yeah. whatever as australia there's two two aspects to this one i mean just to put the practice guidelines to to one side um there, there's also the advertising guidelines so everyone would have noticed our um, social media um has changed dramatically since july 1 which we've been mandated to do much less engagement with um, all of our followers, uh, which we don't think is a great idea. The content that we've been that we can use now is much different. However, none of those rules apply to the cosmetic uh, tourism uh, service providers. So they're not covered by APRA. They're not covered by Australian law. 
uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, international platforms that anybody can post on. Um, and so basically any woman in Australia with a phone and internet connection is now going to get a disproportionate amount of overseas uh, uh, advertising or marketing compared to what they're going to see from Australian providers. So there's much more exposure and we're already seeing many more patients go overseas and have surgery. Um, you know, we talk about these new guidelines that have come in and we've got to see patients twice, we want to see them in person. Clearly that can't happen if you're having surgery done in Turkey, mm. okay? So you're flying in, um, you've never met the person, uh, you may get there and get a bad feeling. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, there's no way of totally knowing what their qualifications are because it's their qualifications may well be uh, to a very, very different standard um, to what the high, very high standards are in Australia. Um, and then the, the facility. That, yeah. Yeah. Facility, you don't know what standard the facilities are. But probably all of that aside, the most important thing is the follow-up care. Mm. So you, you maybe stay there at maximum for a week. You just heard Kim say we like people to be around maybe for two weeks. Um, but we see patients usually at one week, two weeks, six weeks, three months. Uh, you obviously can't do that if you've had surgery in Thailand or Bali. And a lot more if anything goes yes. wrong, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Or even if anything doesn't go, like, wrong per yeah. se, but, like, there's just little upsets, yeah. then, like, people can come in three times yeah, a week at no extra cost. Like, Absolutely. that's something they're just popping into jail. And just yeah. a warning for people, not many surgeons are going to want to have anything to do with you if you've had surgery done overseas. Mm. The public hospitals won't want to have anything to do with you. Um, most Unless you've got you know, life-threatening problems, which some people do. They end yeah, up, no, they get off the plane, like in absolute, like terrible infections, necrotizing wounds, and end up going, having to go to the closest public hospital. Can I tell you, okay. the Smart Traveller government website does not approve of medical ah, tourism. There you go. <laughs> they, wow, that's they really interesting. That's underline, good. they don't say it per se, but they underline, you may die at least four times yeah, wow. in different things. Right. And they're like even surgery that, um, you know, in Australia would have a very low risk, like cosmetic surgery yeah. overseas, you could die. Like they're like yeah. when you come back on the plane, you could die. Okay. Make sure you research whether there's been a warning for an antibiotic resistant oh. um, infection sure. because if you, you get that, die. you will die. Like it mm. is, wow. <laughs> it hammers home the death. Yeah, and but something not, that not we many also, people are reading that before they go and have no, surgery. No, they see the pretty photos of holidays. Um, yeah. And something that we've said for a long time is that surgery is not a holiday. Like surgery is surgery. You need adequate rest and recovery. Most people recover better in their own homes. Um, sure, we have interstate patients or, or patients from far away in the country and they um, have get local support set up here. Um but yeah, they're not. We're not like. Oh, the you can go the to best holiday destination. <laughs> you can go to Bali in Thailand and have a yeah. holiday by the pool whilst you're recovering from your surgery as well. I thought another thing the Smart Traveler site said that was good was um, comparing the complications list you get. So mm. if you've seen an Australian doctor and they give you this very comprehensive complications list, not saying that it's going to happen, but you know we ha as a part of consent. Yeah. Part of consent, part of like insurance, you need to give all of that information. If you, overseas, they're being like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, here's three things 
like be very wary of that mm. difference between the two because they might not have the same local laws or government laws making them say every single possible side effect that could occur. That doesn't mean overseas is safer because mm. their complications and risk list is lower. It means that something else has gone wrong. The sad thing is like a lot of people are pursuing this, not because they think the those surgeons are better quality surgeons. Mm. They're doing it because they think it's it, it, it is cheaper. Um, and then they come back and they've got a complication that, that can't be dealt with in the public system. So then they've got to go private. It's often they're not covered under private insurance and they generally don't have private insurance anyway. Yeah. Well, and uh, also like the travel insurance when they go over, like mm. travel insurance might not cover it or it won't cover complications. Definitely wouldn't Absolutely cover it. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, no. and so then when they're coming back, it's like here if something goes wrong, you do have yeah. Medicare to lean on at some point but overseas you're not having and, that and we're not necessarily saying that we get no complications but we are here for our patients and not uncommon to do a little touch up for dog ears or something that so if i see a patient at four months and they're like oh, i've got this little bit of skin extra sweet we can just book you in for a half hour appointment in the next few weeks i can touch that up and i'm sure these surgeons overseas have that same sort mm. of complication that they're like to the patients sure i can t- touch it up for you if you like but you have to come here to see yeah. me. So, yeah, it's right. it's a false economy. Really. And they also said, like, not every country requires hospitals or doctors to have professional um, indemnity insurance or malpractice oh, wow. insurance right. or anything. So, like, you're also kind of taking those costs on. If, like, if it's more than just a complication, like if they've mm. done something wrong or whatever. Yeah. Cheap can be very, very expensive. Sorry, so another one that like, I really like the Smart Traveler website because <laughs> they kept being like, the government will not help you. They will not give you money. Like we can right. put you in or touch. To get you back. Specifically yeah. about cosmetic surgery or oh, no, just, just medical. any medical? Yeah, but cosmetic right. was at the top. Because people go overseas and have so dental stuff, not yeah. so major, but cardiac surgery, joint, IVF, joint cancer. replacements. Mm. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah, they have cancer oh treatments. God. People go overseas See, that's for. something that you would get exceptionally good care but in what Australia, I think that in the public I, system. That, that one I bet is like Americans or whatever, yeah. like uh, going to Holland and they're doing like. Uh, I was in New Zealand as a very junior doctor and there was this place in Mexico. I have no mm. idea how patients heard about it. And they would literally mortgage their house and go for six weeks or maybe longer, take their whole families and go mm. to this place and get given, I don't know, vitamins um, intravenously. And I, I mean, I do think there's legit ones, like, because Australia doesn't have the population to fund the research that is going to cover every single surgery. Mm. I, when I was a journalist, I feel like that was so many of my stories were like, young kids with these really rare diseases and it would always be America or Germany or like wherever where they were funding that resource. So for research purposes, they can put you in touch with lawyers who like who speak English, but like they're not going to give you mm. money. They're not going to help you with loans. They're not going to get you on flights. They're not going to help you with wow. insurance. So I feel like that kind of to be at the top of the article, I assume mm. it is a big problem. Uh, there, there would always at any one point in time, there would always be – a number of patients in public hospitals in 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 um, wards Melbourne. <laughs> in Melbourne around All Australia around. having uh, complications treated from overseas surgery yeah, um, and serious complications like yeah. much more serious complications than what we would see yeah. 
um, because probably because you know they go undetected, like no one intervenes for you know too long because they've come home, they're not in touch with their surgeon. Yeah. Often there's a degree of embarrassment. Yeah. They feel embarrassed that they've and also done they've got this. like non-refundable flights home, so they're just like you know th- oh yes. things aren't going great. Mm. I've got to get home. I'm going to jumping on the plane. Yeah. I'll get good. I'll be looked after when yeah. I get back to yeah. Australia as well. Um, I saw a really funny video. It was like the flight back from Turkey and it was just like all mm. these guys with like all the pinprick points oh. in, their, in their From hair transplant. Yeah. Wow. I think obviously call me psychic, but I think our advice for people wanting to go overseas would be don't. Yeah. What about people who kind of with these new guidelines for travelling interstate, do you have any advice for that? We just have to do what we have to do. So we would still be very happy to do telehealth consultations as, you know, or the first or the second um, option. But um, we can give you tons of information that way. And, um, yeah, we just have to do what we've got to do at the moment. We've, we've done our best to push back and, and point out the um uh, difficulties with these guidelines and how they don't improve quality of care, but uh, we're, we're not dealing with a regulator that is particularly interested in having those discussions. So big disadvantage for uh, regional patients. Um, and I, I'm fearful for um, um, less well-educated um, consumers, patients, who gets sucked into going overseas? I I think we're going to face uh, an an epidemic of um, catastrophic outcomes from women who've gone overseas to have surgery that could have been done to an incredibly high level here, very safely, um, but they get attracted to going overseas. My advice to them is if if it, if you find that it is if it's cost prohibitive, put it off for a year put aside the money and get it done here where we can take care of you and you can get you know, get treated by some of the best surgeons literally in the world. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.